Everybody say hallelujah. It's good to be here. Repentance is in order in this house this morning. And I know for two people, the Lord's already spoken to me about it. Number one is Pastor TJ for bragging on me so much. And number two, me for liking it so much. <laughs> I was saying, that's enough. And I was saying, no, go ahead and talk more. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm glad to be here. By the way, if you ever get a fruitcake from Collins Street Bakery, just remember in Texas, we use them for doorstops. Okay? That's what we do. We use them for doorstops. Is this streaming? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Y'all, every head bowed and every eye closed real quick. Uh, so uh, maybe we'll, maybe I can leave that fruitcake thing alone real quick. Uh, but uh, it is uh, an inspiration for us to be here. Uh, I'm sure that most of you have heard this, uh, but when I first uh, met TJ, he was about this long, and I mean, you know, he was little, and uh, his father and their family were in Mississippi, and Barbara and I have been blessed by God to uh, preach all over America, I think in every state except five, and we have been in some foreign countries, and every time the jet lands coming back into the United States, I'm proud to be an American. I'm so glad to be here. And uh, when we were in Mississippi preaching, Pastor Duncan Skiles picked TJ up in his arms and said, this is Brother Johnson. Give him a kiss with a smack. And I thought, well, you know, I normally don't let little baby boys kiss me. But I leaned over and he kissed me right there and then when I raised up he went pow and hit me hard as he could. <laughs> and uh, uh, by the way uh, they have a child named Novak who is a Texan also. Yeah. There you go. He's got it pal. And uh, it, it is an honor to be here. We spent a beautiful day with a lot of you yesterday, and uh, God was so good. I've been preaching a long time, and you can probably tell a little bit from the raspiness of my voice. Barbara and I have been away from home for nearly three weeks now preaching. And uh, somebody said, well, when are you going to stop? And I said, I can't. I'm booked up halfway through the tribulation right now. That's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. And, and don't leave. I got some deer pictures for you in my phone. I want to talk to you. It's, you're a man of God if you're a deer hunter, okay? And uh, a long time ago when we started preaching, uh, there were four subjects at Pentecostal preachers, spirit-filled, charismatic, uh, whatever you call us, okay? Full gospel, Pentecostal, spirit-filled. Uh, in Texas, they still call us holy rollers sometimes. Uh, and... Uh, and, you know, to be honest with me, that really doesn't offend me too much. Uh, I, I kind of enjoy the fact that we go to church uh, and never show up DOA, dead on arrival. We don't ever do that. We get out of, the, out of the car praising God and clapping our hands and walking into the church with great music playing. But back in the early days, there were four subjects that Pentecostal preachers preached on, and they all started with the letter H. One of them was hair. Because the women couldn't cut their hair, and the men, if they grew it too long, uh, they called us hippies. And then uh, in some places where we preached, uh, they preached against ladies wearing hose. And uh, that's the truth. You may not be enough to know that, but that's the truth. Then the next thing that they always preached on, and nearly all of this was always dealing with, with the, the women, and that was hymn lines. Uh, it was it was uh, hair and hose and hem lines, and then the next biggest subject we always preached about back in those days when I was like 16 years old, and that was uh, a subject called television. Uh, 
<laughs> it was television. It wasn't television. And back in those days, it said if you had one, you'd go to hell. And then uh, back in those days, it wasn't even a sin. It is now, but, you know, it wasn't then. And uh, pretty much, would you agree, Sarda? And so anyway, uh, it, it is a, it's a real joy to share with you today. Now, I also want to mention that uh, I love young preachers. I praise God for them. And uh, I impute all I can into young preachers. And I have a little motto in my life that I want to make somebody smile or laugh every day. I really do. I want to make somebody smile or laugh every day of their life. If I see you, I'm going to probably try to make you smile. And uh, a very elderly preacher in our state was uh, one of those staid, starchy, stiff-necked, very legalistic type preachers. And he had a couple of mean kids in the church, boys by the way. And uh, so one day uh, they caught him not looking and they got some super glue and they glued two or three pages in his Bible together. And then they put his Bible back up and then when he went to preach that Sunday morning, he got up and opened it to Genesis and uh, he said, I'm going to speak from Genesis today. And he said, I'm going to preach about Noah. And uh, he read that uh, Noah had eight children, et cetera, et cetera. And he said that he took a wife, and when he turned the page to read the next scripture, he didn't know it, but they were glued together. And he said, and Noah took a wife, and he turned the page, and, and he said, and she was 480 cubits long, <laughs> 380 cubits wide. <laughs> Then he stopped. And he said, folks, I never read that in the Bible, but if it's in the Word, I believe every word of it. <laughs> and the church said amen. I, I want to uh, let you know that God is looking for a spirit-filled church, one that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was sharing with uh, Pastor Skiles uh, maybe only yesterday, that there's a town in Mississippi, and you could Google this if you like, not while I'm preaching, and uh, it's called Rodney, Mississippi, Rodney, Mississippi, and in the 1860s and 70s, a sandbar and silt built up in the Mississippi River, and that river took a three-mile turn out west. And Rodney, Mississippi was right on the river bank with a dock. And Rodney, Mississippi had uh, nightclubs, theater, churches, schools, libraries. And it missed being the capital of Mississippi by three votes. It was so popular. It was going to be the Memphis of the Mississippi River. And when that river flowed to the west about three miles, the city got together and voted to not go with the flow, to not go with the river. Let it go. We're going to stay like we are. And now it's a ghost town. And you can still go there. You can still visit there. If you go in the wintertime, it'll take a four-wheel drive to get to it. It's a ghost town. And I just want to tell everybody here today, when the Holy Spirit is moving, never vote. Never vote on the Holy Spirit. Just keep him. Get your hands on God's mighty power and don't let it get away. Because this church world in America is in the worst condition today than it's ever been in American history. Somebody said, how do you know that? Because I preach everywhere. And when I go to conventions and our missionaries come home from foreign soil, they look at me and say, what's going on in America? We haven't been here in four years. I can't believe what's going on in America and the church. 
So let's get it in our head today that we're going to walk in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to let God move. And we're going to have a moving of the Spirit of the Lord in our lives personally, in church, our homes, and everywhere. Would you agree with that? And uh, I want everybody to know that I have preached many conventions. I did one, uh, well, more than one, but in one in particular that this story is about, and then I'll read my text. And after I read my text, I'll speak from it, usually a long ways from it, okay? So, uh, so I, uh, I was on the platform in a general convention with 25, maybe 2,800 people there that night. And uh, the crowd was big, and everybody was singing. The praise team was good. And all of the uh, dignitaries with their Joseph A. Banks suits, we were all on the platform. We had our floor shine shoes on and, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, alligator shoes. You know you're old when somebody brags on the alligator shoes and they look down and you're barefooted. You know, you really, <laughs> you're really getting old then, aren't you? And so... Uh, so uh, everybody was worshiping out there, you know, just doing a wonderful job. And there was a little financially destitute woman, maybe the second row from the front. And she was standing there while everybody was singing and their aloof spirit. And this little lady was there and she was doing this. And I happened to open my eyes and look down and I said, Lord, what's she doing right now? And God spoke to me and said, right now, son, she's worshiping me. What are you doing right now? And I said, I'm trying to find fault, and I repent, and I beg your forgiveness. And now when I feel the Holy Ghost every once in a while, I just do this, you know, just to keep up with it. You know what I mean? Why don't you try that? It feels pretty good. Why don't you go ahead and do it? Yeah, not too bad, is it, huh? All right. Amen. Everybody say hallelujah. I'm going to go to the book of Romans today. If, uh, if you do not know where the book of Romans is, you go to 1 Corinthians and turn left, right over there. And I want to go to chapter number 8 and uh, take a text from there and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to us. I think I went to the, uh, I got my information in the booth today. We're going to start with verse, was it 26 is what I have, hopefully. Is that right? Y'all, we're on the same page? Okay, now we got it. Look at that. Praise the Lord. And so in verse number 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Anybody here got any weaknesses? Could I see your hand? Yeah. And then it says, For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, listen to this. He who searches, and I, and I want to get this in. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, the ones that are called according to his purpose is what it says. <clears throat> and today, I'm going to talk about when you're caught in the middle. When you're caught in the middle. Have you ever got in the middle of something that was really a bad experience? Highly unpleasant. I was reading the other day about Abraham Lincoln. <clears throat> he lost his job. Forgive me just a moment here. <clears throat> he lost his job in 1832. After that, in 1833, he was defeated in, the, uh, in his business. He failed and his business went belly up. Then, in 1834, he was elected to the legislature. Then after that, in 1835, his sweetheart, Ann Rutledge, passed away. After that, Abraham Lincoln, in 1836, had a nervous breakdown. 
And after that, in 1838, he was defeated as position as Speaker of the House. He uh, also was uh, defeated for nomination for Congress in 1843. And thank you, buddy. Come right on. Praise the Lord. God bless you, man. Cup of cold water in the name of the Lord. We believe in that. <laughs> and so uh, after that, <clears throat> he lost his renomination in 1848. Failed again. Then he was defeated for Senate in 1854. And then he was defeated for the nomination for vice president in 1856. And again defeated for Senate in 1858. But in 1860, he was elected to be the president of the United States of America. Now, I don't know if you picked it up, but uh, Abraham Lincoln went through a 28-year period of being caught in the middle. 28 years of trial, test, anxiety, burdens, difficulties, things to that effect. And Abraham Lincoln is known today as a uh, great leader, a dynamite person, uh, the guy who for all practical purposes ended slavery in America and did some of the best things that this nation ever had done. Now, sometimes the middle, when you're caught in the middle, can be a big, big problem in your life. And I want you to be patient with me because I'm going to paint some word pictures for you today that I think will help us. It's like when you're caught in the middle, sometimes the middle is nothing more than a confusing mess. How many of you have ever gone through a long trial? I, I, I don't mind trials if they're this long. I like for my trials to be over in about an hour. <clears throat> Come on, Lord, let's get this one over with. But sometimes we have the 28-year trials. And sometimes it gets longer than that. But the middle of a miracle can be a horrible time in your life. It can really be a tough time. Here's some examples in the Bible of experiences that if you read them carefully, you'll find out that no matter what is going on in you, your family, your job, your kids, your health, your emotions, and your finances, no matter what, if you'll look at these people in the Bible, you'll realize that God is still working in your favor even if you're caught in the middle. Now, in a minute, when I stop cold trailing and I start preaching, I want y'all to holler a little bit with me, okay? I just want y'all to understand I'm not scared. I do this for a living. And, and, and when, when I look at what goes on, one of the first people I pick out is David. David was in a 16-year mess in his life. I hate trials, but he went through a 16-year period, and it was a phase called between the giant and the throne. Somebody's got a visual already, haven't you? And here's David, and he is young. His best friends are outcasts and outlaws. His helpers were not listed in the high school annual as most likely to succeed. Not the friendliest and the best of the best. And here he is with his high school annual and everybody he has out of that annual, and I'm making this kind of in a 21st century spin, he's looking at and he's seeing and experiencing. But later on, when you are faithful with what God's doing in your life, you can rest assured that those outcasts and those guys that were not the best of the best are likely to succeed turned out to be known as David's mighty men. But you have to be willing to stay with the program. You can't despair. You can't walk out. You can't back out. You can't back down and you can't back off. You're to set your face toward heaven and run with patience the race is set before you. You see, uh, you don't get into God's will later. You're in God's will now. You don't get in God's will 20 years from now. You're in, it, you're in it right now. And when you understand this, you're just going through some stuff 
in your lives? And somebody said, well, how do you know that? Because when they called prayer requests a while ago, I was watching and you put your hand up. I saw it. Nearly everybody in this house put, said, I got something to pray about. I got something going on in me. My family, my life, my kids, my finances, a divorce court. It could be anything. So when you're talking about this today, uh, you find David, when he's in this mess in his life, he's doing some things. You know what he's doing? He's herding some lambs. The next thing he's doing, he's doing DoorDash and delivering food. Sure, right? His dad said, come here, boy. I got some cheeses and some toasted corn, King James Version there. Take it to your brothers. And he, he was doing pizza delivery, as it were. And if you don't know what cheeses might be and, uh, and toasted corn, he's taking grilled cheese sandwiches and Fritos. Y'all have Fritos up here? Okay, good. I, I knew that they were somewhere south a whole lot. <laughs> but, uh, but here's this guy. He was obeying his father. He was running food to somebody. He was running for his life. He was being criticized by his brothers, looked down on by the public, fighting giants and being misunderstood, and that was between Goliath and the throne. So don't look for this to be a super highway with no traffic congestion on it. The devil is after you, your family, and everything else, but greater is he that's within you than he that is within the world. Don't, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Don't miss good places or clap your hands, okay. Now, he was experiencing highs and lows. And somebody said, well, what about those men that were with him in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2? In the NIV it says, now buckle your seatbelt. I'm fixing to hit some turbulent air right now, okay? The plane is fixing to hit some choppy weather. And everyone that was in distress, and this is who David chose, everyone who was in distress, who were in debt and discontented, when I read that, I looked at my wife and I said, that sounds like the church I pastor. Of course, they don't know this is being streamed, so they're not hearing this right now. And you're not going to tell them, okay? Uh, so they gathered themselves together unto David and they became, uh, he became a captain over them and they turned out to be doing the biggest things in the world for the kingdom of God. But let me also tell you that during the middle, it was a mess. It was not easy. I've been pastoring so long. Man, I've been preaching a long time. I pastored in one church 37 years. My father pastored it for 33 years before me. Two preachers in close to 70 years. And, uh, and, and so Saul was David's mentor, but then he was trying to kill him. And then he had to dodge Saul's javelin. And then David lived in caves and wilderness for months running for his life. And then his best friend, Jonathan, got killed by the enemy. He had 16 years of misery between Goliath and the throne. And that middle zone in your life can be very painful and very uncertain. And sometimes you'll even wonder about your future. But the Bible said that, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end. And no matter how you feel and what people say to you and what the doctor's report might be, God is still God. He still is a healer. He's a savior. He's a deliverer. He can make you whole, set you free, and drive the devil out of your life. But you've got to be faithful when you're in the mess that's in the middle. Somebody say amen. There's, a, there's something that's very, very, very beautiful in the Bible, and when it, but it doesn't start out pretty. Now, that's this guy in the book of uh, Mark in chapter 8, and he was blind could not see. And uh, Jesus hears about this, and this man is in the messy middle. Jesus walks up to him in verse number 23 of Mark chapter 8, and he walks up to this guy, and he looks him in his face, and, and here's what Jesus does. Are you ready? Everybody get this now. Jesus looks at him, and he does this. He says, and he spits right in the guy's eyes. He, that's what it says. It spit in his face. Jesus spit in the guy's face. Wow. Do, do you know that in Bible times, if you spit at somebody, it means I reject you, I don't like you, and you're going to get canceled. 
That's that new word we got now. And, and that's what it meant. And, and understand this, that while Jesus is there, he spits in this guy's eye, face and his eyes. Now, in church today, if somebody came to the front and said, this is my friend, they can't see, and we want you to pray for their healing, and Pastor TJ said, everybody step back, and they all do, and he just spits right in that guy's face. Five things are going to happen just like that. Number one, there's going to be a lawsuit. Number two, there's going to be a church split. And I preach in churches so small they couldn't have a split. Number three, there's going to be a board meeting, and it's not going to be B-O-A-R-D. It's going to be B-O-R-E-D because they're going to bore a hole right through the preacher. And the next thing's going to be is an unemployed pastor, and the next thing that Twitter and Facebook and all those things are going to explode all over the world, and a man named T.J. spits in a man's face in church trying to be like Jesus, but let me tell you what happened here. This blind man was in the middle of a mess in his life. He needed a miracle, and he knew that Christ was able, and sometimes we don't always like the middle that we're in. How many of you ever hated the middle? Could I see your hand? Well, here he is, and he's in this thing, and it is not nice, and it's not good, and the blind man needed the miracle, and let's guess what happened next? Jesus got him by the arm and led him away from his loved ones. Caught. Come on. Come on. Oh, they just want you isolated down there. They don't want you to hang out. You know, caught. That's caught. L listen to me, saints of God. Man, I'm just trying to tell you that when you look at the Bible, it, it, the, the middle is always a mess of some kind. Uh, I, I, I don't want to elaborate here very long, but, but I want to tell you, I just want to tell you this, that Jesus got him out and led him out of town. And then the next thing that happened, after he was uh, uh, literally pulled away from his family, he was isolated from the public. And the blind man knew and understood what it meant to get spit in the face. And then Jesus touched him again. Or in other words, he didn't get his healing the first time. Now it's getting rich, huh? Preacher, you're taking me places I didn't think about. I'm telling you, sometimes in your tests, in your trial, in your anxiety, when hell is unleashed and everything is a royal mess and you say, God, what is going on? I've lost this. I've lost that. I'm in trouble. Listen to me. It's not God in heaven with his elbows on the windows of heaven looking down at you and saying, I don't know, dude, there's just something about you I don't like. That's not what it is. It's the middle and when we get in the middle of it all, we can live for Jesus. Barbara and I are going through it right now. Uh, and we have a daughter who's full-time in the ministry. She loves God and fighting right now to stay off of kidney dialysis. And in and out of the hospital for weeks at a time. And, and, and you know what we're doing in the middle of this thing? We're praising and we're worshiping and we're loving and we're seeking God. And we're getting on our face before God because we know we're in the middle and it's a mess right now. But greater is God than anything in this world. God is bigger. God is bigger. God is bigger. I'm trying to tell you God is bigger than what you're going through. But we have to go through it sometime. The messy middle is always taking place in our lives. The blind man went through the messy part and got healed. David went through the messy part of this 16 years and ended up on the throne. I want to I tell everybody this today. Don't give up. God is still working. Would you say amen to that? God is still working. In Romans 8 and 22, and I'll get to this in a minute. I think we'll have a slide in just a few minutes. But, 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 but before we go there, let me give you this. Romans 8 and 22 says, we know. How many of you ever been in a trial and you just said, okay, God, we know you're, you're on the throne. Have you ever done that? Let me see your hand. We've all done that. I've been, in, I've been in tests before, and I said, God, we know. We know what your word said. We know what the Bible said. We know that when we pray. You know, we, we get this we know thing. We do that because we should. And then if you would, uh, and we'll have it on the screen in a minute. Then if you go to the next verse in Romans 8, 23, it says, 
we are waiting. Did I just describe you? Pretty well, huh? That's me. That's you. It's all of us as pastors. That staff, amen, financial trouble, don't have the money to pay the bills. You got more month than you do money. Amen. If it's not your kinfolks munching off of you, it's your friends coming by to get something off of you. Don't look so innocent. I know what life is like. It, when you build it up over here, it'll fall down over there. You run over there and build it up over here, it'll crater on the other side. It's just a messy middle sometimes. And listen to this. In verse number 25 of Romans 8, it said, God, the next two verses down, said, we're still waiting. We're waiting. So he starts out by saying, I know you, God. I know you. I know. I just know. Then the next two verses say, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm, t I'm telling you right now, the church world today, probably all over the world, is saying, okay, God, we know, we know, we know, but right now we're waiting. How many of you are waiting right now on something in your life, spiritually, financially, job situation, family, hands going up all across here, okay? Let me tell you today, God had you here today for a reason. Because you're in the middle, and it might be a mess, but God's not going to leave you, and God's not going to vacate you. How do you know that, Brother Jay? Because 2,000 years ago, there was a man in a prison cell named Barabbas, and he was scheduled to die on the middle cross that day. He was. And he listens to the clanging boots of a Roman guard coming down the cobblestone hall. He hears a rattle of keys. And the keys are rattling. And all of a sudden, the key goes into the door latch and opens up. And the guard stands there and Barabbas is crouched in the corner just like they're going to take me now to crucify me and kill me on that middle cross because I'm the worst criminal. And the guard looks at him, and I'm going to put this in the 21st century spin. The guard looks at him and says, get up on your feet, you dirty dog, and get out of here. And Barabbas says, this got to be a joke. It's not a very funny joke to me. When he walks by, the guard says, somebody else is going to die for you today. You better get out of here. Somebody else is going to be on that cross. And he walks out only to see Jesus being led to that cross called Calvary. And they laid that cross on the ground and strapped him to it and put the nails in his hands and the, and the spikes in his feet. They did all of it. And you know that story. It was a noisy. It was a bad day. It's not that little solemn thing where Jesus and some denominations have him on a cross with his head down. That was a hellish day. There was yelling and screaming and guards and there was spitting and they were carrying on alive and there were people out like his mother moaning right in front of him and the disciples had fled and hell was laughing and demonology was spreading everywhere and the son of the living God hears a man yell, man, get us down. If you are who you say you are, don't die. You don't need to die. You say you're the son of God, bring yourself down, win it. And the other guy on the other side, don't come down, man. I need you. I need you so bad. Don't come from this cross. And Jesus looked at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. i see you in a little while. Hallelujah. Because when I show up there, I'm going to bring you out with the rest of them. Hallelujah. That's the day that Jesus could have walked out, but he didn't walk out. That's the day he could have given up, but he didn't. That's the day that he sealed it for you. That's the day the glory of God Almighty came down and made a way where there seemed to be no way. That is the power of the Holy Ghost in the world. And if you're in the middle of something right now, remember Jesus was in the middle of cross and he did not fail and he did not fail elbow your neighbor and say the middle is messy come on you ever been there listen to this uh, you read Romans 8 and 26 and it says no, 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 go, go back here. It said, we know. Everybody said, we know. We're waiting. But get to verse 26. You know what it says? We know not. Is that brand new for you? We know not. We don't know. How many of you have ever been in the I don't know spot? Could I see your hand? Yeah. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the middle. I know I waited. It's been a long time. 
Right now, I don't know. I don't know how to pray. I tried that. Call the prayer chain. You know, sometimes in your life, we just have to stand up with bulldog tenacity and live for Jesus Christ. Sometimes in our life, we just got to look the devil right in his big brown or baby blues, whichever one they are, and just say, this ain't over until it's over, and I'm not going down without a good fight. And you stand in the name of Jesus, you look hell in the face, you look demons in the face, you look doubt in the face, you look fear in the face. I mean, you look everything in the face and say, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere, God is going to work for me, I'm in the middle of a mess Amen. It might be 16 years. It might be Abraham Lincoln in 28 years. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I do know one thing. We that run the race to the end, we that endure shall be saved. We that don't quit, we that live and stand and pray and go and give and walk and be what God will have us to be, we're going to be the overcomers in the tail end of this thing all. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, now, go ahead and give God another praise. It's good. I, I like it. Amen. 16 years between Goliath and the throne. You know, if you're in the middle, you know what that time is? That's the spit. That's the cave. That's the javelin. That's the bad experience. That's the divorce. That's the bankruptcy. That's the medical treatment. That's the problem with the boss. That's the problem with the kids. That's the problem with everything else. That, that mess in the middle. Now, Romans 8 and 26 said, you know, this is my I don't know period. This is my time that I don't know. This time it's the worst for me. Look, look at the process and the progression. Romans 8 and 22, I know. Romans 8 and 23, I'm waiting. Romans 8 and 24, I'm still waiting. Romans 8 and 26, now I don't know. But Romans 8 and 28 goes back and says, and now we know. That's rich. That lets me know that when the gasoline is out of sight and the groceries are high and your, your telephone's ringing off the wall and everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that and all the politicians are clawing and fighting and trying to gain power. And when the world is in a, in a in, in, you know, what do they call it? Gender reassignment. Is that the politically correct way? Sound like cable news network there, don't I? Sorry about that, you CNN people. I'm not one of them. And, and, uh, and, and so here we are in all of this stuff in our society where a, a boy can decide, uh, you know, where he wants to be a girl or a girl wants to be a boy. I don't have all that figured out. I'm glad that when I was a little bitty kid and I walked up to my mama and said, Mama, when I grow up, I'm going to be a pirate on a ship. I'm glad she didn't run me to the hospital and have one eye cut out and one leg cut off. Come on. Come on, give God a hand clap. That's for the Lord. Come on, make up your mind. Do I need to leave that out of my notes the next time I come? Okay. Y'all notice I invited myself back. We're caught in the middle. You want to hear one of the biggest messes anybody ever got into uh, in the Bible? It's just <laughs> this old man. I can relate to that a little bit. Amen. It's fun getting old. Come on, it is. Real fun. The other day my wife was driving. We were sitting somewhere at a traffic signal. And, uh, and uh, we sat there for a little while. And I looked at Barbara and I said, what's the matter? Don't they have a color you like? <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I said, well, it was amber colored and it was green and it was red. And it was amber again. I said, you need to pick one of them and go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Actually, I hate to tell you all this. That was me. Sorry, dear. 53 years coming up this next month. Uh, well, it's less than a month now, maybe. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're, we're going to be married 53 years in, in, in a few days. And, man, it's been a great run. I promise you. I, I just, it's been a great run. 
we slept in Sunday schools, uh, Sunday school rooms holding revivals. We did. We, the, the churches couldn't afford motels. And we were preaching revivals all over America. And they went, we got a Sunday school room at the church. We're gonna, and they, we would pull pews together. And they would put quilts on them. We had to go to the bathroom down the hall. And we didn't know any different. We didn't know that the new modern evangelists could, you know, drive up in a $195,000, $200,000 bus and have red carpet rolled out and have a mint on their pillow. We, we didn't, we, <laughs> I mean, if there was such a thing as a motel called Wigwam Inns, you know what? That's about where we had to stay. Come on, you old people, say amen. And, uh, and, and we preached. And, and a, a couple, three times, you know, we, we made like $7 a week. Really? Yeah, $7 a week. I went borrowed money from my dad one time to get my next revival. And, and I, he said, how much you make last week? I said, well, it's under $8. And he said, well, said, poor preach, poor pay, buddy. You better step it up a notch. I prayed more and got, got more into it. Amen. Hallelujah. But, but here's this old man named Abraham. And he's an old guy. He got a precious wife named Sarah. Y'all better get ready. Sarah, and you know what they did? God said, I'm going to bring you out of Ur of Chaldees. How would you like it if somebody walked up to you and looked at you and said, where are you from? And you said, Ur. <laughs> that wouldn't be a very, you know, I mean, you could at least say Bedford, Indy, or Corsicana. <laughs> uh, so, so here they are, and they left Ur of Chaldees. And they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I chronicle this in the Bible. I did your homework for you. Aren't you glad? Come on, aren't you glad I did my homework for you, your homework? And I chronicle where they left at Ur of Chaldees, everywhere they went, and I, and I got my Bible maps out. And you know how far Abraham and Sarah, over 70 years old, you know how far they walked? They walked 1,250 miles. 1,250 miles they walked. Can you imagine? Somebody, what are they doing? They were in the middle of a mess. Wasn't pleasant. Somebody said, well, what was wrong? They were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, but they had to go through the Lot experience. You remember the story about Lot? Need I go any further with that? After that, they had the fear experience where Abraham lied about his wife's age. She's so stinking pretty that he, she was like 80-something years, 80 years old and, and the people couldn't believe she was that pretty and Abraham was afraid somebody was going to take her for their wife so you know, you know, he, he lied about her age. In your Bible, by the way. I did your homework for you again, okay? And then there was another hindrance and that was that real pretty young girl named Hagar. That could get real pretty, pretty bad, pretty quick. And so she has a baby while they're waiting on the baby of promise. And then one day when the angel showed up and said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, let you have a child, a boy. And, uh, and so they, they, they said this beautiful stuff. And the Bible said Abraham laughed. Nine months later, when she was in Walmart buying Huggies and Depends on the same day, <laughs> don't anybody look around. Whatever you do, don't look around. I only have three minutes left, okay? And I'm like, I played football in school when I was a young guy, 6'5", weighed 245 pounds, and I was a, I was a quarterback killing dude. I played defensive tackle, and now eight quarterbacks up. So when it gets 12 o'clock, I'm going to kick a field goal and put this thing into overtime, okay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, okay? I'm, I'm going I'm to rush to the finish line for you. But here, waiting on the baby, she's at Walmart buying stuff. And listen to this. That messy middle went for a long, long time. Everybody say out loud, but God. But God. 
I, I just want you to understand that. Romans 8, 22, I know. Romans 8, 23, I'm waiting. Romans 8, 24, I'm still waiting. Romans 8, 26, I don't know. And then Romans 8 and 28, but now I know. How many of y'all are hearing from God today? Is anybody hearing anything from God? I pray that you are. I, I, I'll do this little deal here. Uh, sometimes sermons can be for information, but other times they're for inspiration. So I'm going to wrap up with a short, short story, and I want you to get it. I think you're going to be blessed by this. This is a classic short example of being caught in the middle. Everybody knows how bad the middle can get. Is that all right? Say amen. Now listen to this because this will be the apex of where we're going with this today. Uh, there was a guy in the Old Testament named Joseph. How many of y'all know about him? All right, get ready because I'm going to throw information at you. If you're a note taker, get it quick, okay? First of all, he could not keep his coat because his brothers took it. Secondly, he got another coat, then Potiphar's wife took it. He lost two of them. Is, is the middle getting messy right now? He went to prison, and then when he went to prison, he was there for 12 years. 12 years he was in prison. And I want you to watch these words now. Here's this guy named Potiphar. Everybody get a visual. All right, look, get a, mid, a Mideast table and a man and his wife eating breakfast. He's, they're eating breakfast, and here they are. And Mr. Potiphar looks at his wife and says, Miss Potiphar, you know that man named Joseph that you accused of raping you? Yes, I do. Well, starting this morning, he's going to be my new boss. But you got to be willing to go through the mess. Is anybody hearing me? Starting today, Miss Potiphar, by the way, in case you don't know this, I'm going to be opening up his chariot door. I'm going to park his limo for him. I'm going to be bringing him his glass of water while he gives his speeches today. Twelve years of trials, prison and everything else. But you know what happened? He got 80 years on the throne because he was willing to go through the middle, through the mess. And God touched him. I have loved being with you guys. I loved yesterday. We had a great day here. And I know that you guys don't know us. But I think you've already figured out by now that I study the Bible and I pray. And I believe that God saves and heals and delivers. But right now in this crowd, it doesn't offend me if nobody comes to the front to pray. But if you are in the middle of something, you've told God, I know, I know. And you said, Lord, I'm waiting. And then after a long time, you said, I'm still waiting. And then you end up saying, I don't know. Just be faithful because two verses later, you can say, I know. Amen. Is it financial? Is it something you've been praying about in confidence? Is it something going on in your body physically? Is it a test? Is it a past sin that keeps raising its ugly head up and screaming in your face, you're not worthy? Is it some failure that you made? Is it some mistake that you blundered on years ago and hell has still got you by your collar and slapping you in the face every day over it? What could it be? What is that mess that you'd like to say today, God? I'm in the middle of it. And you're able. And I know. And I know that God's going to meet it. 
Father, you don't have to close your eyes or bow your head. That's, uh, you know, the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost didn't say, every head bowed and every eye closed. He didn't do that. You, you don't need to do that. If you want prayer, if you need prayer, if you know somebody that you're praying for and they're in a mess, while the, while the music is playing, what, would, you, would you make your way to the front? Uh, just, just come right on. Thank you. God bless you. Come right on up, sister. Come on back here. God bless you. They're coming all across the house. else got lost kids is your job in jeopardy is there something going on do you wake up in the middle of the night saying God I don't know how I'm going to get out of this amen hallelujah now, I know that a lot of you out there are saved and spirit filled we're going to start going across the front of here praying for people in just a few minutes. If you'd like to help us pray, I'd love for you to come up. I'd love for you. I know you probably have designated altar workers, and, and, I, and I'm sure about that. But uh, uh, but that's just kind of an educated guess. But if you'd like to help us pray, if you, if you know somebody down here you love, and you want to come down and kneel beside them, put your arm around their neck. Say, I'm going to pray with you today. Is that okay? Just come on. And if you leave before I get the chance to talk to you, I love you. And I hope you enjoyed being with me today in church because I loved it with you. Okay? God bless you good. We're going to have a prayer time.